Open us with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for another time to be in your house. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us this week, Lord, for the restoration in our bodies, God, in our mind. Father, we all come here with with burdens, Lord, with things that we need help with. God, I pray today that we're not too prideful to lay those down before you. You say that if we will, that you'll pick them up, Father, but we need to leave them with you, Father. Not be anxious about all things, Lord, but always be praiseful in every single circumstance, which is the hardest thing to do as a human. Father, those that are sick that you see that aren't here, we ask that you would touch them in their body. Thank you for those who will be here this morning, God. You are faithful to answer those prayers. We ask that you would be with those who are traveling, Lord, that will be coming back today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Matthew 5:43 through 48, we're going to read straight through, and then we'll do it verse by verse. But we start out with Jesus is speaking again, and he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now notice that you shall love your neighbor is in capital, but uh, and hate your enemy is not, because that's not in the Bible. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this is the last of the personal relationships that he speaks on. And um, it's, he says a whole lot in here. <clears throat> But starting with Leviticus 19.18, and I actually turn to them now. It takes a little bit longer, I know. But Leviticus 19 and 18 is where we're going to find what we see. If your Bible has it in caps, it's going to be actually the law. 19 and 18 tells us this. Excuse me. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That doesn't say hate your enemy anywhere and that's the thing and we can find this verse over and over repeated you know it's repeated throughout the bible but let's remember that part so then we'll look at proverbs chapter 25 so what was god's actual command in leviticus 19 his actual command was you shall love your neighbor as yourself why because i am the lord because i said it and and that's all he said and that's the problem with man that including myself all of us we have a way of uh, making things sound the way we want them to sound because we're evil. Our heart is wicked, and we want to bend things to our will. We want to bend God's will to our will, and that's just not how it works. But in Proverbs 25, 21, and 22, so what was God's command? What is his command in Proverbs 25, 21? If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So what am I supposed to do to my enemy? And an enemy can be, any it's just anybody that's opposed to you. You're still, we, we're not allowed to hate people. There, there is no hatred. The only thing we're supposed to hate is sin. And when we deal with another human being, which is hard, we're to hate the sin, but we're not to hate the person. Because here's the thing, the hatred part, that only belongs to God and God alone. Because his his hatred is just. Oh, that sounds sounds wrong, but it's right. His hatred of sin is the same hatred that we should have for sin. 
because I've heard Paul Washer say this. I've heard several people say, if you say you have a new relationship with the Lord, with God, with Jesus, you must have a new relationship with sin. That's a reality. And sin is hated. Is the individual to be hated by you and I? No. But in the end, what God hates will be cast into the lake of fire. So yes, God hates the sin, but he also hates the one who sins and sins and does not turn to him. But you and I don't have that option, and he's, he's going to lay that out perfectly. We do not have the right to hate anyone for anything. That's kind of hard, because it seems like it should be that way. But we're going to find if you'll turn to Deuteronomy, this is exactly what we do. Because it's, I mean, as we read this, we're going to go, wow, okay. So they did what they wanted to with the Word of God so that they could practice it the way that they wanted to. Well, we do too. We do it in a lot of ways. We make things right in our mind by doing, changing the way the Word is or interpreting it. That's the biggest thing is what's your interpretation of the Word. It's not about that. It's about what does God say? What is His command? What was the actual command of God? So in Deuteronomy chapter 23, we'll read, we'll read 3 through 6, and we'll see why. He says, No Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord. None of their descendants, even to the tenth generation, shall ever enter the assembly of the Lord. He's, he's basically saying they're going to cross over whenever you cross over, whenever you set up the kingdom, the new, all the tribes, you set up your towns. They're not allowed to be a part of you. Now, he also goes before, he, he's going to allow the Egyptians. He's going to allow other peoples because they took care of God's people. Even though they were enslaved, they still took care of them while they were there. Well, that's a crazy thought. You mean while you were enslaved? Yes. Yeah. The Egyptians made life really hard especially when they took away the straw and made them collect their straw and they had to make all the bricks and they had to, but still yet God sees there was a provision made for his people, which is, that's a strange thought. Because they did not meet you. Why? So why are these two Ammonites and Moabites, why shall they never enter the assembly? Because they did not meet you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. Well, there you go. Now, here's, here's where the problem is. The law can be distorted to fit your own agenda. So let's look at five. Nevertheless, the Lord your God was not willing to listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. You shall never seek their peace or their prosperity all your days. And see, that's where interpretation comes in. He said they could never be a part of God's people. Now, in the Old Testament, why were whole nations destroyed? Because they were evil. And what, does, what did the Israelites do over and over and over? They intermingle. What is the sin of Balaam? What eventually happens? Balaam can't curse them, but Balaam tells them, here's what you do. If you can't beat them, join them. That's where that comes from. So here's the deal. I can't curse them for you, but if you will have your women intermarry with their men... This, you'll get the same outcome. They'll be destroyed because their God is not going to allow that, and He will destroy them. So, in why why these two people groups? Verse four tells us why. So let's look at it. Because they did not meet you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam the son of, yeah. So here to curse you. So I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at myself. Every person is a child of God. Every single human being that you come in contact with has the, has the ability to be or not to be. We don't know. 
I don't know if you're going to be saved. I don't know if you're not going to be saved. So I'm supposed to treat you as if you have the ability to be saved. Because that's what the Word says. If not, then, then the Lord would tell me in my spirit, you need to call these people and you need to preach the gospel to just them. You see what I'm saying? So let's, let's put ourselves in verse 4. So let's just look at us and, and someone comes to us. Because they did not meet you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt. So when someone asks, is what we, we learned about last week, what we've been teaching. If someone asks you for something, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to meet their need. You're not supposed to turn them away. And for that very reason, these people were never to be a part of God's people. But here's the other part. What did God actually mean? Because what happens is these Pharisees, teachers of the law, they distorted this verse to fit their own agenda. This is one of the only times you're going to find where God's called out a specific people and said they cannot belong, and here is why. This reason. But here's the question. What did God really mean? Answer. Israel was not to carry on trade and commerce with these people, nor intermarry with them, nor make leagues and enter into alliances with them. That's what he meant. Individual Israelites were not forbidden to perform any office of humanity to them. They could help them and aid them. They could help someone. It's kind of like the Good Samaritan, right? They were still allowed to help someone if they had a need. But the body of the nation are forbidden all familiar conversation with them. Here's what that boils down to is, as an individual, I have the ability to talk to another Israel, to, to one of these people groups. I can even help them when they need it. But it's kind of like the fight that we have right now. Who's the head of Israel right now as far as in a man's Benjamin Netanyahu? He is the one who talks to those who are over Hamas, right? So that's the way it would be here. In other words, what they're saying is the governing body of the head, you're, never, you're not to join an alliance with them. You're not to have a treaty with them. You're not to have a peace treaty with them. But does that say anywhere in there where they were supposed to hate them? It did not. But And I, we need to be really careful because we do the same thing. I know I do. I can take this word and twist it. Well, the Word of God says that when someone, I need to mark that person because they're a heretic. Yeah, but it didn't say be mean to them. It didn't say I could hate them for that. It didn't say that I could be ugly to them for that. Nowhere. It just says that I, as a mature Christian, should be able to look at another person and mark them, and then I need to be careful around them. I need to use my judgment around them. But it doesn't mean I'm ugly to them. How do you win people for the Lord? Not by being ugly. It's the goodness of God that draws men to them. It's not the evil. But God is not evil. And that goes back to this right here. God is not evil. The world will tell you that. If you watch, because I like to watch YouTube videos and things on whenever they argue, if you want to call it arguing, but they're just apologetics back and forth. They'll say, why, why is God allow evil? Why is God evil? God is not evil. Evil is the exact opposite of God. For everything there is in this world, there's an opposite. For, the, for good, there's evil. Evil comes out of some, something that has no God in it. It's the absence of God. That is evil. True, pure evil. So in Matthew 5 and 43, we go back to that first. You, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now the reason that the back part says and hate your enemy and it's not in caps is because God did not command it. God's actual command was simple. It was love your neighbor as yourself. So say I the Lord. So the last part, 
That's the cool thing about Jesus is he knew exactly what they were saying, so he quoted what they said, leaving the back part in there. But in verse 44, he says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, that's really hard. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. As a human being, that is a very, very hard thing. Romans chapter 12. So you're telling me the, the very person who's trying to make my life miserable, who's trying to destroy me. Yeah, you're supposed to pray for that person. That's your job. That's your job as a Christian because you want other people to come to the knowledge of the truth so that they won't be what? Destroyed for eternity. That's all that's, all that's waiting for that person, guys, is the same thing that was waiting for you and I. And what is that? An eternity in hell. I'm, I'm supposed to love people, even people that are ugly to me, enough to not want them to go to hell. Because to me, that's the worst thing when people say that. That's the worst thing you could say to a person is go to hell. Or a murderer or someone who raped a child or whatever, and they say, I hope you go to hell. You have no idea what you just said. Because there's no way you can say that and have the love of God in your heart. Not in truly mean it. It's an impossibility. So in, in verse Romans 12, 20 through 21, <clears throat> excuse me, says, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a really hard thing. But that's exactly what Proverbs said when we read Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. He's quoting it. That's why it's in caps in here whenever he's talking about it. That's the, that's the amazing thing about this. Whenever you do teach or you do talk to someone else, I really hope that you use the word somewhere in there. Not just a narrative, not just the way that you feel about it, because this is yes and amen. Half of the things I say every time I teach, they can be someone could say something, well, that's not really 100% true. You're probably right because I'm not perfect. But the word of God is. It's perfect every single time. It doesn't matter how you feel about homosexuality. It's a sin. You know, it's just simple things like that. It doesn't matter if, if you feel like, well, I should be able to have hatred towards my enemy. God commanded that you love your every, everybody as yourself. And it's not just your neighbor as your brethren. It's your neighbors. It's everybody. It's everybody you come into contact with. Because if you show hatred towards someone who doesn't know the Lord... Why would they want to come to know the Lord that you claim to to worship? Well, that's just it. How many how many people have, have you talked to and that's their testimony? Yep. Is why would I want to why would I want to serve God? There's some of the most hated people in the world. The no. most angry people in the world. And sadly they're right. Sadly they're right. Because everything we say, we're, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, everything we say is supposed to be what? Seasoned with salt. If we truly say just what God wants us to say, we have the potential to win a soul for Christ. But if we just say what we want to say, it's never going to work. That's, that's not how this works. That's why we talk about kicking doors open. I can't kick a door open and someone gets saved. God's got to have been working on that person's heart, drawing that person, and then I, being a child of God, and moved by the Spirit of God to speak a word to someone. And that word changes that person. It's not me that did it. It's the spirit, the self-same spirit that's in me is working on someone else, being like, come on, come on. That, that's an amazing thing to me. So now let's look at Luke 23, 34. Jesus is on the cross. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of attitude that we're supposed to have. Man, I'm going to be honest with you guys. That's really, really hard. 
the last one, Acts 7 and 60, what's Stephen's final words? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they don't know the same thing that Christ said. They're stoning the man to death. He just preached the gospel message that, Lord, it should have saved everybody that was there. But all it did was anger them because their hearts were hardened. We know that by reading the Word. But still, even in that moment, so why should I be able to go back to Matthew 5 and 44? Why? Because they did. Because I'm supposed to be in, as hard as that is, every single day. Stephen's Stephen's trial and message didn't save anybody that day. But Saul was saved because of that. Yeah. It's Acts. It tells him that. He starts with Stephen. And he works his way to the Damascus Road. He says, I held the choke for Stephen. So Stephen was loving them by giving them the truth, which made them mad, which ultimately killed him. Yep. And he didn't see no fruit of it, but yet two-thirds of the Bible and we're, uh, we're going through one of his books today in church from a man that was saved because of Stephen's act. Yeah. And that's what you're really talking about is <clears throat> loving your neighbor is opposite of what the world wants you to do. And when you do it, it makes them very furious, very mad. I've got, I've got a yeah. story that I could tell from this past week, just a man just belligerent for no reason. I mean, we just showed up to the job site and he was just mad at the world, literally. And two pastors and a and and a Christian just sat there and took it. And that just made him more mad. Mm-hmm. But we went back the next day and actually did the work and he come out and apologized. They ate on him all we heaped cold on his head and yeah. they ate on him all night long. Yeah. He said, I'm sorry, I I was mad yesterday. Yes, you were. You know, but that's—I mean—that's just it. It's—it makes somebody stop and go, "Why did they not act like that? Why did they not act like I thought they would?" Yeah. Right, and that starts those seeds. You—you got no idea. That's what I told them at work. I said, "We got no idea what what God's going to do in that man's life." All we did was not say anything. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. To just not say something. Yeah, you're right. In Matthew 5:45, he says, "So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, <clears throat> for He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous." So, starting in 43 again, we see what He says. But in 44, there's there we're just halfway through the verse when we get to 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. That's, that, there's only one way to look at that. If you're not, then you're not a son of God. That's a very, very hard thing for me, even myself, like I say, because I don't have all of this stuff figured out. I don't, guys. I just know what the Word says, and then I try every day through the Spirit of God to subject myself so that I can be conformed to the image of the Son more and more. But Matthew 5 and 9, we've, we've read this before. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Well, a peacemaker is the person who doesn't stir up spite and, and contentiousness and all those things the Bible tells us. My job is, most of the time, our job is to be quiet, sadly, and just what you said, and take every single bit of it from our spouse, from our friends, from our children, from everybody. Because we're not called to, to be ugly to people. We're called to take it. 
which is kind of a, again, but if you're not called, if you're not truly called, you're going to have a really hard time living up to what the Word of God says. And that's where a lot of people, that's why a person claims to be a Christian and they they say they're a Christian before people and then they act a totally different way because they're not truly a Christian. And it makes Christendom look foolish. But they never, they're not filled with the Spirit of God. So upholding this in your flesh is an impossibility. I mean, man, we can go to Romans chapter 8 and we can read all about that. I mean, it's impossible to please God and be in your flesh. What is the will of God? A bunch of stuff. The, the will of God is, is living out this word before man so that some might be saved. That's God's will. His perfect will is that everybody should be saved. But we know for a fact that his will is, is that you and I who have been called into this, if you've truly been called into this, is to live out a godly life so that some might know he is who he is. Just as Jesus Christ prayed. Why? He prayed for those who would believe on him based on what this word says. Those men that he prayed for wrote this. And so you and I read this, and so he prayed for us. But a lot of people, this is not real to them, guys. It's just really not. It's never been truly real. Luke 6 and 35. This is the Beatitudes of Luke. And it you should read it because it's got a little bit extra in it. We're going to read some of it, but not all of it. It says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Why? Because what it said in the last verse is, He lets the rain fall on all of us. The just and the unjust. Even the evil people of this world. And here the reality is... He is so good to the evil people that he gives a lot of them an abundance of stuff that we'll never have, so at least they can enjoy this. Because the rest of their life is going to be torment. Their eternal life is torment. But in this life they have plenty and they live it up. So that you will be sons of the Most High. That's why. And I'm telling you, as I'm studying this and I'm reading it, you go back and look at what he says there. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you read other parts of it and it says, even if I give something to someone else, when we go back up into the top, if I give it to them and they won't give it back to me, I'm supposed to just let them have it. What do you mean? Yes, that's exactly what he's saying. Now, that's not meaning your child. It's not meaning, but it's, it's stuff that's not meaningful. Because we care more about our goods and our things that we own than we do about doing the will of God. That's a, that's a reality. Because there's things that people have today that they're using, and the fact that they have them and they're not even worshiping God while they use them proves that. I have this, if it might be a motorhome or a boat or whatever, I'm not worshiping God today. I'm worshiping my things because that's what I'm doing. People don't like that. Well... People don't understand what the Word of God says either. That's just the truth. That's the truth of the matter. It's not a nice truth, and it makes people upset. That doesn't mean that you can't go and do things, right? But even when you're doing those things, is God being honored at all? But then there's people that will be here today in that service, and they won't honor God, and they're right here in the midst of it. Exactly. And that's what he's trying to say right here. What's, what's your intent of your heart? I could lend you something and I never get it back and I could harbor bitterness towards you for the rest of my life. Well, but to the world it'll look like, well, he never, I could never speak it either. Well, he just let him have it and he didn't, but the bitterness inside of me separates me from the Lord. That's a scary thought. Matthew 5, 
and 46 through 47. 46 starts. He says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Well, that's the truth. I mean, we all know that. That's why I know it's... I'm a different person, I know, but I don't really like praise. I don't like praise. I don't like honor. I know that the Word says to give honor where honor is due, but we're not even honorable people. I'm a say born-again believer, and I truly believe that. I believe that my home is in heaven. I believe that my calling is sure, and I, but I still don't believe I deserve any honor for that because I'm still evil and wicked, and God is still working things out in me. And whenever you honor me in whatever way you do, all you do is cast on me this title, this honor. And let me tell you what happens. Nine times out of ten when you receive it, it makes you a different person. And it also puts this big fat bullseye on you. It really does. Whenever a person calls himself a master, let there not be many masters because they'll receive the greater condemnation. That's why it says that. You better have your life right. You better truly be living for God. Because if you're going to stand up in front of people and deliver the word of God and say that you better at least you better at least be in the spirit. You better be prayed up. Will you always deliver it perfectly? No, because we're we're fallible. We're human beings. But that's a scary thought. To me, it is at least. I, I know what this month is. I saw the post on Facebook and I'm appreciative, but I still don't like it. I don't like it at all. Because I'm only one thing. I'm a Christian. That's it. And above being a Christian, or because I'm a Christian, I'm only one thing, and that's a servant. When you lose the mindset that you're a servant, you're in a bad place. Because your title means garbage in the kingdom of heaven. Because when we get there, because I'm an associate pastor or a teacher or whatever you want to call me, there won't be a reserved area in heaven for me. There'll be a... There'll be a life. That's right, because you know what he, he won't say that day when I stand there before him. He'll he'll say one thing or the other, and when he says that, he won't say, "Welcome me, my good and faithful associate pastor." Does he say that? My good and faithful teacher, my good and faithful global pastor of the universe, apostle. He's going to say, "My good and faithful servant," and I. It, it's a dangerous place. I'm just being honest with you. Pastors around this community, pastors in other places that have a big head that think that they're above the people in their congregation, you're in a bad place. You better pray and you humble yourself because the scary part is if you don't, God will. <laughs> God has a way of humbling a man that there's not a, no human being can do it. Because when he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, if you are doing this and you're not doing it for the right reason, your, your time is numbered. I promise you, and he will make a spectacle out of you. So I know that's a little sidetrack, but that's I'm just being honest with you. We are servants, guys, and that's it. All the rest that we're given is glory to God. I'm allowed to serve you, and because I serve you, you allow me to do these things. It's not in me, it's in him, and we, we need not forget that. <clears throat> so Luke 6, 31 through 34 is it hard to love those who love you back? Well, of course not. It shouldn't be. I love people who love me. Starting in, we're going to start in 27. Just This is the Beatitudes of Luke. Luke 6 and 27. But I say to you who 
who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. We're reiterating what we've said the last couple Sundays. Give to the everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes it away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want to be treated. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that for you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that of you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. That it's, there's a whole other level to this is what he's trying to say. For you and I, it's a spiritual thing now. It's not a physical thing, first of all. Even in this, we're talking about physical things. But here's the thing. Where does all of the root of bitterness, where does all that stuff, it's in my spirit. It's not in my flesh. The, the stuff that's internal, the spiritual things are what matters to the Lord. It's not the external because I can pretend like everything's peachy king. And, we, and I do it all the time because people, honestly, people don't care and they don't want to know how you truly feel. People ask you, how are you today? This is what they want to hear. I'm doing great. Everything's great. I'm just being honest. That's what they want to hear. But then when you tell them the truth, that's not what they want to hear. And if you tell them the truth every time that you see them, then they're just going to think that, well, they're probably not even saved because they, they have a terrible attitude. Well, congratulations that your life is the way it is. I'm just being honest. No, like seriously, how do, how do you really feel? Because we say here, come here and be who you truly are. Y'all, it doesn't help to be fake. It doesn't help at all. It only hurts you because you're lying. Yes, you're just lying about it. So how hard is it to love someone who every time you talk to that person, they're negative? Sometimes that's a hard thing. But the Word of God says to love them. They need to see that love. They need to see that despite what you're going through, you can go through it. That's a hard, hard place to find yourself. Because the, the scary part is everybody's watching you, saved and unsaved. People are watching you all over. How are they going to handle this? What are they going to do with this? And I'm going to be honest with you, that puts stress on the believer. Yeah. If you really know that, that's a stressful situation because then I'm inclined to act fake. I am. I'm inclined to act fake. I mean, I'm not going to tell you the real truth because I don't want you to think negative of me. Or I sure don't want to cause someone else to stumble. When a lot of times they just need to hear the truth because they're going through the same thing. The stuff that I'm going through shouldn't cause me to move away from God. It should it should cause me to move closer. I should be drawing closer to Him and trying to understand. And then in the praying part, pray, pray, pray. Like it says, pray for our enemies. I'm praying to align with God's will because guess what's going to happen? God's will. Y'all, that's the hardest lesson to learn. The hardest lesson to learn. And I don't understand it. I still don't understand it. This has been the worst week of my life. And that's including when the week that my dad died. This has been the worst week. I have never woke up crying until this week. But I've cried night after night after night. Wake up crying in my dream. Wake up crying. This has been a hard week. And I know for a fact that next week's going to be harder. I know that. I already know that. Because I love people. And when you love other people, you carry their burden. 
I love those stinking little children that I'm fixing to go start, 80-something of them, and I'm going to bear their burdens. I know that. My fellow teachers, my wife, my son who lost his job, all of those things. But I'm still here because we have a God and we have a promise that if he, if this is what I have to look at, he said on here that he is ungrateful, he is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Well, my goodness, if he can do that, what can he do for me? That's my hope. I'm being honest. That's my hope today. My body doesn't feel right. My mind's definitely not clear. My ears are ringing. I can just, the stuff that I hear in my head, but I know there's a God. And I know that he wants what's best for me and that he's working these things out in me. And that does not look like what I want it to be. I promise you it doesn't, but it's a reality. 5 and 48, and we will finish. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, man, perfect. So let's look at what perfection is. Romans 12 and 14, we'll start there. 12 and 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. That's a start. Then let's look at 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Whenever other people are crying, it's okay to cry with them. But don't dismiss people's feelings. That's annoying. Even if you don't understand them, even if you can't understand why, or even if their reality is twisted and warped and it's not even real, you still have to say, and you have to be there with them, guys. That's what we're supposed to do. If you're mature in Christ, that's what you do. You definitely don't make it worse on the individual. First Peter 3, 8 through 9. How do this this really helped me this week? First Peter 3, 8 and 9. To sum it up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For why? Why? Why cannot? Why should I be able to do that? Not why did I? Why should I be able to do that? For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Why do I know for a fact, if you call yourself born again and filled with the Spirit, how do I know that I can do what this says? Because I've been called to that purpose. You, we've been called to do this. Is it easy? No way, Jose. The only way we can do it is in the Spirit. That's why we have the Spirit. And that's what Philippians 3 and 12 will end there. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. I can't do this in myself. I promise you this next week of my life, physically, mentally, spiritually, I cannot do it by myself. If I wake up Monday morning, tomorrow morning, and step off in the world in my flesh, I will be destroyed. I've got to purpose it in my heart that I'm going to live out my life before these people. Let's start in 12. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect. That's mature, okay, guys? That's mature. But I press on so that I may lay hold for that, which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Why was I laid hold of by Christ Jesus? So that I could manifest what we're learning before men. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. That's hard. I'm being honest. That's hard because heartache, ache, pain, persecution, all those things are very real. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many are perfect, that's mature, have this attitude. And if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. If you're truly seeking Him, I love that. 
If you have a different attitude or you're not right in your thinking, which I am most of the time, he will reveal it to me. And then I have a choice. I can either grieve the spirit and stay where I am or I can align with the spirit of God. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. In other words, don't backslide. Yeah, you may not be able to do this thing perfect, but every single one of us in here has a specific amount of knowledge in Christ that we've been given. All he's asking us to do is live that out and then pray every day for him to show us where we're not in his will. Because what he's asked us to do in these these six verses, that's a pretty difficult thing. And it's an impossibility if you're not in Christ. If you would bow your heads. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. God, I know that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, Father, because it cuts me every time that I read it. It shows me just how, how much I have to go just to even come close to what it is that you're asking for, Father. I pray that you would be with us today in this service, Father. I know that you're everywhere, God, but we ask for your presence. I ask, Lord, that you would move on our behalf, God. You see the petitions of our inner inner desire, Lord, what we truly need. Father, if those are wrong, God, I pray that you would change them today, that we would fall into your will We ask that you be with us, that you spend time with us today, God. Help us, Lord, because we are a needy people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.